Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Ryan Roddy Garcilazzo. What's going on, oh. man? Oh, I it's nailed not, it, right? It's not as so crisp as, as, as if you didn't even have to practice. <laughs> I'm doing, bro. I'm doing good, bro. How you doing? Oh man, just another day in paradise. So I'm, I'm super excited about this podcast because you know you and I met through my Facebook group, The Vault, and you just right. you jumped in there one day and you just laid down some amazing content. You gave the group some checklist and, and just you, you threw out a couple of statements out there about, you know, how to handle and manage contractors during rehab projects. And I didn't sure. really know a whole lot about your business. And you were like, hey, man, if you ever want me to jump on the podcast, I'd love to. And I was thrilled that you were willing to do that because after getting to know you a little bit and just talking to you before here, it's like, man, I, you have so much knowledge to bring to the table as far as managing contractors and rehabs. And more often than not, we don't have guests that actually have that much knowledge in this space, right? It's an area in this industry that we kind of glance over. You and I kind of talked about that yeah. before. So, but, but why? But why? We just I, talked about it. To your point, but why? Because two things here. Very profound. If you want to learn how to invest in real estate, you learn from a what? Investor. Right. If you want to learn how to flip and rehab houses, you learn from who? A contractor. There you Game go. When you look at it, it's common sense and logic. Yeah. So take a second, kind of introduce yourself, tell everybody what you know about your background and what it is sure. you do right now. Well, everybody, pleasure to be on the podcast. I look forward to it. I've been watching uh, you do your thing for a while, so I really appreciate you taking the time to consider me on, and I hope to continue contributing to the the Facebook group, that's my goal, right? Um, at the end of the day, I'm a licensed contractor. I have been for 15 years. Um, I haven't practiced, if you will. It's kind of like being a doctor. I haven't practiced medicine in like five. We started up our, uh, and I'll get to this, we started up our uh, consulting and online academy company about five years ago, and, and that was a shot in the dark, and I'll get to that. But the first 10 years, I started this business when I was 22. I'm 37 right now. You know, and it, I did it before the market crashed, so I got to experience how the market was and, in my opinion, I don't care you know, what type of investor you are. There's no better way to learn than being in the middle of that. I think coming before, prior to that, and then you're finding some love of success, and then boom, the whole market is wiped out, And but, but the opportunity is still there because supply is there. There's 12 right. million foreclosures, right? So you're shifting gears. The process changes. How am I going to continue investing? What am I doing now? And what are you doing? You're doing what the hedge funds are doing, buying and holding, buying and holding, buying and holding, gobbling up these properties on pennies on the dollar, and then when the market comes back, what are you doing? Just like the hedge was doing, unload them, right? Yeah. Now you've got cash flow. Now we go back into it in a good market. Trust me, been there, done that. I see it all, and that's the strategy of a uh, of an investor. And I'm a 100% rehabber. I, I wholesale deals every now and then because I can, not because I need to, not because I want to, because the opportunity is there. As you can imagine, I have investors across the, the country that will send me a deal, and I'm like, it looks good. The numbers make sense. But here's the golden nugget. I'm able to do those deals because I know my numbers, and that's because I'm a contractor. The contracting aspect is all the deals are made in the acquisition, right? That's what you taught. That's what everybody right. tells you. But everything's lost in construction. So that's something to consider. But my point is I, I was you know, a contractor for 10 years, 
Um, there's a difference between a paper GC and a GC. I was actually the GC working the job for a very long time. As we grew and scaled in Chicago, we became number one. We won tons of awards. And then I realized I could scale this. So the next logical step was to become a paper GC, hire smaller GCs, build them up. I could expand my geography. Uh, so I went through all the ranks of contracting. Um, and we've done anything from a $30,000 small rental. I even lied. We've done a $7,000 rental <laughs> on the south side of Chicago as high up as a five hundred. And actually right now we've got about a $900,000 build going up in uh, Pasadena. So we've covered from a low-end rental apartment complex to a custom home built 5,000 square foot home in California. So we cover a big spectrum of construction and through that we've realized there's different levels of contractors, there's different levels of, of talent, there's different levels of knowledge base and self-management, financial management and construction management and that's when over the years I realized as a contractor being on the other end of not getting a draw on time, schedules not jiving with the hard money lender, not even understanding what a hard money lender was you know, 10 years ago, we started learning what the investor was missing. And in our, in my opinion, and I'm not knocking any program because I think everybody's coming out of these programs and they're learning a lot of information, but everybody's stopping shy of rehab construction. Yep. So I, I had this idea 10 years ago. I said, how can I come out of construction and start teaching and showing and helping these investors instead of taking? Because I can take from you all day long. Right. If you don't know your numbers, and I do, I own you. I own your return. I own your, your, your children's future. Yeah. And I'm going to smile and do it because I got my bottom line. So as an investor, when you call me as a contractor, if you're basically telling me, hey, man, I want to hire you, everything looks good, you're telling me you know what you're doing. Because I obviously you're hiring me based on the fact you think I know what I'm doing. Right. But, but all too often I realize investors have no idea about construction, so we can't speak the same language. We have no common ground. We have no trust. And then the shit goes down real quick, and it's always contractor, contractor, contractor. And I laughed going to all these meetups and back in the day. I don't even go to meetups anymore, but all the meetups – you would sit there and go, I need a new contractor. And I finally said, no, dude, you need to, you know, you need further education. You need to right. learn what I know. You know, you brought up a good point know. earlier when you were talking about, you know, you have to understand your numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And and we go to these groups or these education programs and they will spend an entire day on how to come up with the ARV. And I am not sitting here saying learning what an ARV is not important. It is. Sure. It's sure. the first number that you need to know. You need to know what the house is going to be worth when it's fixed up. But the ARV is pointless because the the rest of that math equation on what you're going to offer on the house is based off of the rehab. And more often than not, it's glanced over. You're given some random you know, little checklist that they give across the entire country as if you can rehab a house in Southern California for the same price you can rehab right. a house in Cleveland, Ohio. Right. And and that's supposed to be what you're basing your your offer off of. And so sure. so think know. about the formula. Think about the formula. You need a rehab number to finish your formula. Right. So if your rehab number is close, all right, there's a possibility of a win. If you're way off, it's over. Right? You need yeah, you need it's, that number. it's completely over. So let me ask you this. And my my question here is is as a newer investor, mm -hmm. do you recommend that that newer investor educates themselves to learn those numbers themselves or to find a contractor that knows those numbers and they trust that that contractor is correct? So one of two things, great question, one of two things. If, if you're a novice investor and you're getting into the rehab game, you must learn construction anyway at some level and in some capacity because as an investor, 
once you've bought a property with the intent to alter that asset, you have become a project manager, whether you like it or not. You can't project manage shit if you don't know how to project manage shit, right? right. I can't go into a, a corporate office and, and and be an accountant if I'm not an accountant. So how can I manage other accountants to know if they're doing their job correctly or not? That's what's happening. All these all these investors are coming from programs to being released and deployed into the community and buying these homes. You're all project managers. How are you going to manage me? Right. How are you going to tell me what I need to do when you know I'm superior to you when it comes to construction knowledge? And then that turns them off. They get scared. They get timid. And then, boom, right off the bat, communication's gone. So, yes. On top of that, how are you even going to walk the project and know if it's been done correctly? That is exactly my point, right? I mean, you you don't. You're trusting that this random third party is doing the work correctly, and then you're not going to find out until it goes to an inspection. That is 100% correct. And that's the key here. So if you go into classes and you start learning how to rehab – you'll start being able to speak the same language. At the Rehab Depot, the whole idea was to even the playing field. I'm not trying to make you an expert in construction. That's not going to happen unless that's what you're doing. Right. And that's not what you're doing. You need to understand the hierarchy of how management works. The investor's job is to manage the GC. The GC manages the job and the project and the subs. But at some level, you have to consider, and there's so much that goes into this, this question. There's so many things. I mean, at some level as an investor, you are going to be participating in your flip, right? But what is that threshold? Where does that stop? And then you, and then you realize, well, dude, I'm paying you a GC fee. Why the hell am I doing half this shit, right? You have to know what level you're at where you can say, look, man, we're going to renegotiate the next deal because if I'm doing follow-up phone calls and I'm calling on the utilities and I'm calling your vendors and I'm sitting in materials, what, what am I paying you 15 20% for? Right. Let's, let's, let's get a little granular here. If I'm, say I'm walking a property and I'm purchasing from a wholesaler, okay? When I go to walk this property and I'm quote unquote analyzing the rehab on it, right? That's what investors say. How long should I be in that house? How long should I analyze the rehab before I make a decision on whether or not what my rehab is and if I want to purchase this property? I can look at a property in five minutes or less and walk away. How long should somebody that's newer that's not been a you know fifteen year GC? No, 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 no. So this is what I'm saying. This is what I teach. You just need to look at the outside. The outside will tell your story, right? You already have a budget in your mind, a number from your formula. If you're doing the seventy percent right, right, right. right? You have an idea of I only have fifty grand really to play with. Hopefully, this property will lend that to me, right? Like we have fifty grand to get something done. Pass code, pass buyer inspection to get this done. Right. Because there's so many variables to that. What I always say is you have a number in your mind already. So what does that tell you? Take your time and just focus on the outside. If you start looking, park your car in front of the house, you look up the thing, you see that the roof is shot, the gutters are hanging, the siding's dented and chipped or, or paint stripped everywhere. You see a lot of concrete issues on the porch and you see a lot of cracks in the sidewalk. You see the front door hasn't been changed out in 35 years. Those things tell a story. And you're going to start seeing that right off the bat, you can just see cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And you have to be an expert at that point in the fact that you need to know exact numbers, of course, but you have to have enough common sense to realize I've got to, I'm going to have to have a siding budget. I'm going to have to have a window budget. I'm going to have to have a roofing and gutter budget, obviously a concrete budget. Clearly I need exterior doors. I always say number one, focus on the outside, start in the front, make your way around and you're looking at the foundation. You're looking at basements, you're looking at concrete sidewalks. If there's a garage, check the garage. Also, if there isn't a garage, check to see if you need a garage, right? <laughs> All these things, because you're responsible for that once you buy the property. 
that will tell you your story before you even waste time going in the property. That's what I meant by in five minutes or less, I know if a budget's even going to make sense based on the ARV. If yep. you're telling me, and this comes from a little bit of experience, but if you're telling me the ARV on this is 350, right? But but you're telling me your budget's 50 on an ARV that's 350. I already know you're wrong because the house I guarantee is going to need more money, especially at the 350 evaluation. Now, if you tell me it's the South Side of Chicago or Detroit or Tampa or something like that where there are smaller ARVs where maybe it's 175 all in and your budget's 50, I might say, hey, that sounds like a decent budget. Let's check out the property. And again, yes, from experience, but I have a strategic way of looking. Always start with the exterior and then find mechanicals. No one gives a shit about knocking down walls, color of, of carpet and paint. Not at that point. You're looking at the big ticket items, roof, foundation, siding, mechanicals. Yep. You bring up a good point there because so often as investors, we walk right in the house, right? And we want to see what does the kitchen look like? What does the master bathroom look like? And, and to your point, you don't even have to waste your time going inside. If you show up and you're like roof, windows, siding, oh, there's no AC. Okay, I'm done. I'm done right then and there. I'm, I'm not going to get the $50,000 rehab. Right. Don't even waste my time. So that's a, that's a good idea as far as, you know, searching that. As far as when they're, they're analyzing the mechanicals. So break that down for the people that don't know what mechanical systems are. What are those? So mechanicals would be the plumbing system, like water heaters. You're looking at anything exposed in terms of plumbing. You're looking at the HVAC, which is the actual furnace. You're looking to see if that, you know, the front door is usually open. The panel door is usually open. You see wires exposed. Um, you're looking at ductwork to see if there's, you know, taped elbows, meaning the aluminum taping. You're seeing if there's any cracks. But you're looking for rust, right? You're looking, you're looking for missing ducts, you know, things like that. And then the service panel, you're looking to see if it's outdated. You're looking to see if it's been shut off at the panel. You're also looking to see if there's any BX or Romax because every state's different. Every jurisdiction is different. Some people allow PEX and plumbing. Some people don't. Some people allow Romax. Some people don't. In, in Cali, Romax all day. In Chicago, nope. Everything's got to be hidden in hard pipes. Hard pipe, for everybody who understands, is the silver hard silk circular pipe. We can't even have accordion piping, which is WBX. Can't even have that in Chicago. But other in Indiana, which is an hour and a half, like literally southwest, no problem. Romex all day, PEX all day is what it is. So when you're looking at those things, one, if there's rust, cut wires, a lot of things exposed, that tells you one of two things. One, have it certified. So that's a little secret sauce that a lot of people don't understand, especially if you're a rookie. You can have every system certified. All you do is you call a plumber yourself and say, can you come look at, in the plumbing? Can you look at this water heater? And you tell me, are these functional or do you recommend that we get those repaired or uh, repaired or replaced? There's a big difference, big cost difference. They will then give you a certified, basically a document that has their license number that says what the report is, and then you can make a well-informed decision. Are we repairing or are we replacing? That's it. Same with HVAC. The furnace guy will come out. He'll sit there and look at the AC. He'll look at the furnace and say, this is completely repairable, but we need to do new ducts. Okay, way better than replacing the whole unit. And here's the secret that your GC is going to do. He's going to, if you walk a property with the GC, the GC is going to look at something that's exposed and old and say, replace the whole thing. When in your mind you're thinking, well, why can't I have it certified for possible repairs, which is thousands less, right? He talks you out of it and says, no, 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 I, I've been here before. It's going to get old, blah, 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 blah. Fast forward four weeks. You're in a job with him. You're under contract. He all of a sudden, you know, says, we're working on HVAC this week. 
You do your progress walk. You realize it's the same unit, but you have shiny new ductwork. You go, dude, I thought I was getting a new furnace. He goes, oh, I had it certified. My guy said that we can keep the unit. He pockets four grand. What's the point? You could have taken that four grand, allocated it somewhere else in the job, or not at all. It's a game. And if the, if the contractors know you don't know yep. what you're talking about, game on. Absolutely. All right. So let's, let's fast forward in this process. So I've, I've showed up at the house. I've walked it. I've determined my $50,000 budget's good. I purchased the house. Okay. And I'm hiring a GC. And in your words, I am now the project manager, right? Correct. <clears throat> what is, how do you teach your students or, or just a general overview of what is the next step with the general contractor as far as deposits, contracts being signed? What are the best ways to manage that? Because I think this is probably one of the areas that I see investors, especially newer ones that don't know what they're doing or don't have their systems and processes in place where they get just flat out screwed over because they don't do things right. They're writing 50% deposits and things like that. What, what do you recommend the investor does and handles the contractor? So a couple things here. So one, you are not hiring the A-plus contractor in the rehab world, which means you should not ever give a GC in the rehab world 50% of anything up front, okay? The reason why there are deposits in construction is because in retail world of construction, you have to buy materials ahead of time, you have lead time, you have to buy windows, you have to order appliances, cabinets. There's things that take weeks that you need to order in advance to get a project done on time because this is actually construction, right? The irony is so many investors want things done so fast, so fast, so fast, but hard money lending does not allow itself to actually order the way you need to unless you're capitalized yourself and you're pulling money out of your account to get things ordered and you're paying yourself back through the draw. Now, I'm sure I just confused the shit out of a lot of people, but there's it's a game. You need to understand all angles of this. But construction, you need lead time. There has to be money up front to order certain things, especially bigger ticket items, siding, roofing, windows. Those things take time. And some other subs that are being hired because the GC manages the job and all the tradesmen in the job. Some tradesmen by trade are accustomed to deposits and will not start a job without one, right? So that becomes something you should talk about between you as the investor, project manager, owner, and the GC saying, are you capitalized enough to give a draw? Or is this draw going to have to come from us some way to get your guys started? Because right. that's an important conversation to have every time, no matter how many flips you do, one or a hundred, doesn't matter. Every flip you have this conversation. So how I feel about it is very simple. If you've got a hard money loan, you're obviously not getting any deposits on a hard money loan. So you always want the guys to start. Labor, you, sh you shouldn't have to front labor, right? Labor, they can get paid after a week or two of putting in the labor. However, you have dumpster costs. Maybe these guys don't have the capital to buy dumpsters. Why? Because like I said earlier, they're not an A contractor. They're BCs and Ds. So they're not well capitalized. And whatever money they do have, they don't financially manage it. They live and die by the job. So if that's the mentality, the mindset of what you're hiring, that's why you have to be the A. That's why you have to be the project manager. And you have to learn construction to some level and to some degree because they will need leadership. And you can't provide that if you have no idea what they need, when they need it. Because you have to anticipate. You have to be proactive. If you're reactive, it's costing you money every single time. So to your original point, and I can go on about this shit all day, <laughs> there is a process in construction called production. You have to understand this. All investors that we teach now are like, damn, they scratch their head and go, of course, makes sense. In any construction, whether it's bridges, 
roads, schools, condos. Do you think they have a month to prepare for those? Or do you think they have months and years in advance preparing for projects like that? Months I, and I, years in advance. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. So at best, let's just use real estate timeframes. You put a property in the contract, you may have 30, 45 day close. Why? Why is it that investors don't do shit during that time period? They close and then they start what's called production. Oh, I got to get a GC here and I got to tighten up my numbers. I got to create a scope of work and blah, blah, blah. And they realize the more they're working with the GC and allowing the GC to provide them important data like bids, numbers, timeframes, contracts, schedules, that you're waiting and waiting and waiting for something that's going to come. It's going to come extremely late. You're not going to agree with all of it, just like they're not going to agree with all of it. So production is extremely important. If you put a property under contract and you're fairly confident, it's got to be more than 50% confident that you're going to close, you must start production, whether you like it or not. And that entails four steps over four weeks. Week one is pre-con. Week two is contract period. Week three is, I'm sorry, pre-walk is week one. Week two is contract, and then week three is obviously pre-con, which is all hands on deck. That's where your agent is there, uh, architects if they exist, uh, the GC, his foreman, you, maybe your partner, project, other project manager, depends how big or small you are, designers, whatever. They're all there for that one last speak now forever hold your peace conversation because all change orders in construction usually happen before construction starts. People don't realize that. When you make an adjustment or change during the process, that's a change order. Needs to be documented because you're, you're altering money, and when you alter money, there's a good probability you're altering the time, right? Because if you give me, if I give you a schedule for a project for eight weeks based on a scope of work that I've seen and we agreed to, then we hit, we run into a snag where I got to install drain tiles. Well, that just killed a week. So logically, I have to add a week to the job. So many investors get pissed off by this, but I'm like, no, dude, common sense and logic. If we're changing, this changes, this changes, and this changes. It needs to be documented. Week four in the process, and I'll go through this again because, I, dude, I can talk about this some blue in the face. Week four is the money talk. That's the week you go back and look at your hard money lending costs, private lending costs, who your gap funders are, what your interest rates are, what your holding costs are, how much your utilities are. And you want to make sure that the schedule that's provided to you by your contractor matches whatever draw schedule any other lender your partner may have. Because if you call if you call for draw and they come out looking at HVAC and windows, but your boys are working on paint and trim, they're not getting a draw. You guys are going to go to war. And and I think you brought up several good points there. So I'm going to touch on a couple of them real quick from an investor standpoint, because you're definitely coming from the contractor standpoint, right? Even right. though you are an investor yourself, you're talking as like the contractor. From an investor standpoint, the last thing you touched on was the draw schedule, okay? Um, many times when you get a hard money loan, your hard money lender will send you a simple Excel spreadsheet and say, fill this out. And it's almost like everyone is setting you up for failure, even though they don't actually mean to be. Um, a lot of times it's like, yeah, it's just real simple. Just fill it out, you know? Uh, whatever you need for flooring, whatever you need for paint, whatever you need yeah. for demo, right? Right. That is quite possibly one of the most important documents that you fill out in a rehab project because the hard money lender is going to pay you whatever you put down for flooring. Whatever number you put there, that's the number you're getting, no regardless of what you spend. So if you put $5,000 for flooring because you're just – randomly filling it out in 10 minutes while you're eating lunch and not actually figuring it out, 
and then you need $10,000 for flooring, well, you're going to be $5,000 short. And that hard money lender is going to say, I'm sorry, you should have filled yep. it out right. Yep. So I agree. That, is, that is one of the most important yep. documents that you fill out if you're taking out a hard money loan and you're rehabbing a project. And, and feel free and to that's exactly, these and that's exactly why I always throw that money in on the fourth week because after pre-con, essentially you have already uh, you know had all the agreements, everything signed, and you 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 at least walk house as a, as a team twice, maybe three times. So now you can basically sit there and say, okay, let me take this last because you don't really need the GC until you want him to confirm a couple things. But now you can go home, grab your coffee, do whatever you do, and review your stuff. I would actually call your account rep, whether it be like Land Gorilla on a Grand Coast, whoever it is, I don't care. Call your account rep, get to know that individual because you need to understand your your, your abilities and rights. Because I don't think a lot of investors understand they have the ability to do anything they really want as long as the number doesn't change. You have the ability to negotiate uh, certain percentages. You really do. You just have to know what you're talking about, right? The other thing is you can reallocate all those line items a thousand times as long as your budget doesn't change. Right. Tell investors all the time. You know, if you run into a snag this week and there's a change order, readjust, reallocate, and submit that back. But don't submit a change in the lines along with an invoice because you'll screw yourself because they can only do one at a time. And usually you want the reallocation to go first before a draw comes first because the draws continue to deplete your, your budget. So do your allocations prior to draws, not at the same time. But it's really, really important to understand that as an investor because you want – Remember, you want to work in unison as a team with your contractor. There shouldn't be this. There should be a common ground saying, look, we're both in this to win. And at the end of the day, let's call it what it is. We're real estate investing. We're here to make money. So if I feel like I'm not making money, I got a problem with you. If you feel like I'm not making if you're not making money, you got a problem with me. Let's figure out what that problem is. Because chances are it's not either one of us. Could be an outside uh, source that we just don't know enough about. For example, you bring up home real quick. I want to jump in real quick because I you you brought up a really good point. We should be in this together, right? So since most of us are simple-minded investors and we think that the contractors are always out to screw us, right? This is what I hear all the time from everybody. Let me go ahead and break this down. As a contractor, they are viewing us as a motivated seller that has hundreds of houses that they want to sell. Unfortunately, we can only sell them one or two at a time. They don't have to go spend marketing costs to go get another client if we can work together and we can bust these out. The contractor has all the motivation in the world to do this and get this project done and let us make money so we can go buy another house and hire them over and over and over again. And so often we think, uh, you know, he's trying to hit me with a change order. He's, he's trying yeah. to bleed me dry. More often than not, the change order is because of you, not because of the contractor. Like you said, most most change orders are done before construction even starts. Mm-hmm. I would assume yeah, that's because all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's like, oh, hey, we decided we wanted to add a bathroom or knock down a wall. Yeah. or We want an island that's 10 feet long with this beautiful new piece of granite. Those are yep. the reasons why we're getting majority of the change orders. At least that's my experience. Would you not agree with that? I do agree with that. Um, it goes both ways, but heavily involved. It always it, the pendulum will always sway towards the one that doesn't understand the most, right? Usually, in this case, it's the investor who doesn't understand the most. However, if you have a good contractor, he should he or she. I've hired female contractors. They should understand um, the what is right. 
and they should be able to openly discuss what ifs if you say, hey, because that's what pre-walk's all about, open dialogue. That's what pre-con is all about, open dialogue. That's what demo day, you know, one and week one of demo is all about, open dialogue. And if you guys can at least openly discuss the what ifs and possibilities and document those as we discuss this, this, and this, then now all that becomes is reference, right? But if there's a lot of what ifs during pre-walk, that also helps you decide maybe I should walk away from this deal. Maybe I should cancel the contract. There's a lot of bonuses to you as an investor understanding to some degree how to project manage a rehab to ask the right questions because even just asking the right questions helps you become more well-informed to walk away. So another like epidemic that I see with rehabbers is you like Yoda, bro. <laughs> I, I do like that. You're the rehab Yoda. So, uh, an investor goes out and he does his walkthrough and determines that his budget is $50,000 on a rehab. Correct. He then contracts it. He then starts doing his walkthroughs with his contractors and he gets contractor A to walk the project and contractor A says $75,000. And this is the reason why it's $75,000. And the, this is where the epidemic is, right? The investor says, well, you're just overpriced. So instead of hiring the B-level contractor, he goes to the C-level contractor. And C-level says $65,000. And mm. then he goes, well, you're overpriced. And before long, he finally finds the <laughs> jackass that'll walk in and say, I could do this for $45,000. Yep. And he writes his bid down on you know his freaking Whataburger napkin and says, there you go. There's my $45,000 bid. And it's all over. And then before long, he ends up spending $100,000 because he has to go hire the guy that originally. Dude, I can't, sit, I can't sit still. I can't sit still because I agree. There's, there's so much to go into that. I can't sit still. Every investor wants three major things in rehab. Time, money, and what do you think the other one is? Quality. Right. But you can only pick one or the other based on two things. The level of contract you've hired, but that's because the budget you have. So what you just said just tied in that whole process. Right. I'm going to give you some more fire. Teach this shit, right? This is a free class right now. Everybody better get your notepads out. I'm <laughs> it. During week one production, this talks about what you're talking about, right? How do you get to, to week two, which is contract period? You need some vital information to put in the contract. Do you not? Yeah. Time, time frame, start date, money, maybe draws. You can't, you can't give me a contract without that information. No one will sign it. Right? How do you get that? This is where the novice needs to learn how to give me the contract of the numbers. Don't wait for me to give them to you. You need to start learning how to award the job, not wait for my bid. Here's why. You wait for my bid. I say, yeah, I'll give it to you in a week. Two weeks goes by. Through, on the third week, I finally send it to you, and my bid's $15,000, $20,000 more than what we talked about. Now you're trying to hound me down during that third week, fourth week, trying to get me to do a change or even discuss this with me. I'm busy on job sites. The fifth week comes around. I make a couple adjustments. We still can't agree. We lost over a month. Yep. Right? You lost over a month, and that's your money. You lost over a month. You need to learn how to give me the price tag. You need to learn how to tell me when I should start. You need to tell me how long the product should take. That's an art. So here's one thing. $1,000 a day is a rule of thumb. $50,000 budget, you're looking at at least 50 days. If there's permits involved, Talk to your city on your own to find out how long that process is and add to that. That's all you got to do, right? 
the next thing you want to do for, to find out the start time frame is you're going to tell me, and these are called the three verbal commitments, and I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to gift wrap this shit. The three verbal commitments you need to get. One is, is the time frame, which I just taught you how to do, $1,000 a day plus permit time freeze. And then you have to tell me when you want me to start. So it's June 10th. Let's say me and you are walking the house for the first time today. You're like, look, I close about July 10th. I need to make sure you can start that week. Is that a problem? That's different than you saying, when can you start? Right. Never ask a contractor an open-ended question. You're going to get all kinds of crazy answers. You tell me, you basically told me when you want me to start. Now I'm thinking July 10th, okay, that's a month. Yeah, that should work. So now you got verbal commitment number two, right? So let me start with the first one. You have a $50,000 budget. I'm not pulling any permits on a job. So we're looking at 50 days, okay? I always add two weeks as a buffer because things happen, right? So let's just say we're looking at two full months on the job. So you tell me, okay, Ryan, we had a good walk. We're walking to the front of the house. We did our pre-walk, so we're working hand. All right, Ryan, so here's the deal. Um, I close on this property uh, in about a month, July 10th. I need to make sure that you can start that week. Is that a problem? I need to make sure your schedule's open. Yeah, that should work. That's one. Number two. All right, so I'm looking at a two-month process. I need to make sure that you can get this thing done in 60 days or less. Is that a problem? No, 60 days sounds about right. Cool. Done. That's two right there. You, I, you're telling me how this is going to go. Now, all of a sudden, as a contractor, I'm getting confidence in you. I'm like, okay, this dude's been here before. I might not be able to pull the wool over his eyes. I may not be able to hit him with these changes because you're proving to me that you're in. You're proving to me that you have some experience at some level to some degree because you're telling me how it is, and I'm agreeing with it, so I like this so far. We're going back and forth. But here's the golden ticket. You have to figure out the budget, right? So if it's a $50,000 budget, 10% automatically gets shelved for contingency. That's 5K. Now we're at $45,000, okay? Most budgets consist of 50% labor. We're going to cut 45000 in half. Now we're at like $22,500, I don't know, right? That's where we start negotiations. Because at the end of the day, the smartest thing any rookie investor can do is order your own finishes because you're not – this isn't complicated, and we teach how to do all that. But you set up your own accounts. You can order your own tile. Have the GC tell you how many square feet. You can order your own trim and doors. Have the GC tell you how many linear feet and how many door sizes. Yep. Right swing, left swing. You have material lists. I'll get to all that later. But my point is you can manage the materials. There's no markup. The more line items on your scope of work, the more markups you're going to have. I got to make a phone call, I'm marking it up. I got to pick it up, I'm marking it up. I got to go back, I'm marking it up. You messed up delivery, I'm marking it up, right? That's the game. So eliminate all the markups on your finishes and handle it at the labor yourself and say, look, so here's my budget. I'm all in at $25,000 with labor, and I want you to be able to cover rough materials. I'll take care of the mechanical guys myself. I will take care of finishes, but you're going to tell me when we need it. All of a sudden now, you're in total control and most countries don't want to deal with materials anyway. Well, I think you also just said something. You kind of glanced through it real quick. You'll handle all mechanical subs as well, right? So because rough materials. GC's rough not materials. an HVAC guy, right? He's just going to call the HVAC guy. Correct. Why can't you do that? Right. And what's he going to mark that up? 10, 20%? Easily. You know? Easily. And here's the deal. It, you're going to get hit twice because – it's probably his boy. Right. Or it's like, it's going to be 5,500. Like, tell him it's 65 and throw me a G. On top of already marking you up, on top of already having the GC fee. Yep. Like, I tell contractors how it is. Contractors hate me. And I love that because this game has to change. It's time for investors to win. 
right? It's time for investors to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, look, I have an idea of what you're talking about here. You're not going to fucking play with me because I, I want to have a long-term relationship with you. If you do well and we can continue matching budgets, hey, maybe I can start buying around your budget. So we're both winning, right? I can go into a deal knowing what you're going to charge or have an idea because we're being transparent and there's trust now. Dude, we can start building volume together. You can't build volume if you have turnover in contractors. Simple fact. So you talked about that we're, you know, as the investor, we're going to handle all the finished materials. They're going to yes. handle all the rough materials, right? Yes. Have them finish mortars and adhesives and nails and all the little stuff that you don't worry about. Right. Especially with rough mechanicals. Nobody wants to go to Home Depot and pick out elbows, PVC and copper. Forget about it. Especially yeah. electric as well. Let them handle that stuff. I'd give them a 5%, um, 5 to 10% uh, allowance on both uh, the rough mechanicals and possibly the rough materials, depending on how much demo needs to be done, right? right. At $50,000, you're pretty cosmetic. So when you break down those three things that you just told us to do, I mean, really what you're looking at is it's no different than managing an employee, right? Like you don't have an employee come in and work for you and say, when can you work? How long will it take you to do this job? Like, no, you manage your employee, and it's the exact same thing. That's why you're saying we're a project manager, right? We're managing the people that are working for us. First and foremost, yes. First and foremost, you're a company. You need to act like one. And that's where when I, I do a lot of corporate consulting for big companies, and the biggest thing that I find is that they are an investment model, which works for bringing in properties, right? They got disposition going, they've got sales reps, they've got intake, they got all this stuff, but it's an investment model. And they're doing 100, 150, 200, 250 flips a year. They're struggling and they're losing money and any profit, if it's turnkey, if they're just trying to take 10 grand a deal, they're losing anyway because 10 grand is going to every change order because they're buying wrong. Right. Because they don't even have a front end project manager to actually price it correctly. They're still using formulas. And formulas does not dictate what this house needs. This house can be covered in mold. You didn't see that in the pictures, but you bought it. And now you're screwed. It could have asbestos up and down the place, but you didn't see it in the pictures, but you bought it. Right? So my point is I see more often than not is that a lot of companies, they don't have the right business model, the structure, the hierarchy, the personnel, and more importantly, they're not operating as a business, as a corporation. Let's face it. We all started as a one-off show, right? You right. buy a property. Okay. Makes sense. Buy another, then you buy another. A year from now, you've got maybe 10. Now you've got partners. Now you've got more money that you can borrow. You're starting to build up some kind of at least local network of, I think I know what I'm doing. But as soon as you hit a certain level, and I always tell investors, you'll know the level when you can't sleep at night that you became a company. When you're finally up in LA and you're going, shit, man, <laughs> tomorrow's going to be hell. <laughs> you have officially become a company, my friend, and you need to evaluate your business model. Start yeah. there. Then... Yes, you go into the project management aspect of having to manage your people. And that's called system and process. And if you come from the corporate world, it's very easy. You were the puppet, right? You know how you felt when they said sit there, log in, and clock out at four. Yep. Right? Essentially, you have to be that. That's when I said earlier. It all ties together, my man. When I said you have to be the A, that's what being the A is all about. Yep. That you're putting the system and process together so the GC can follow it. It's law and order of the jungle. They don't want to follow your system. Move on. I love it, man. Well, you've you've dropped a ton of great content. You've you've mentioned a couple of times that you have an academy for this. Talk real quick about that. How can people find sure. out more about this and and really, you know, learn all that you have to sure. give in this process? 
Sure. So, I mean, we have the online academy that has a bunch of courses on it. We have a rehab business model course, which actually helps you create the business model for rehabbing, which is like general contract. We have project management course, and then we have the estimations and budgets and bidding course, right? We tied all that into what we call the flipper courses, right? It's a package. That's all online. You can log in at the rehabdepot.com, go under the uh, shop and sign up, and you can take that at will. You have 12 months access for that. We also have a combination package where we, for a year – we have that where you can actually take the online courses as many times as you want, but I also still facilitate live courses via Zoom every quarter, every semester. So we did spring semester. We actually have the June 18th summer uh, semester about to start in about eight days, and that's where you can take classes online, but then I actually facilitate here in my office. This is a big whiteboard, by the way. We do all of our classes here live every Tuesday night for basically two and a half months straight. And I facilitate blueprint reading. I facilitate the process of production. I teach them how to do the three-phase of construction. I teach project management. So I take some of the courses we have online and we really granulize them. And I think you see, like I see, if you hear it from me, it's more impactful than reading it. Yeah. Uh, people learn at different paces. But I deliver the content myself with live webinars and live education. Uh, and that's a package. And then, obviously, we do consulting. We do corporate consulting where we come into your market or we, we do live training on Zoom calls where we take whatever paperwork you think you have I will tweak it, give you our templates, we'll make it work. Or if you're local to me or it makes sense, you have that kind of volume, we'll come to your market over 90 days back and forth, and we get you back on track to help scale or grow your business. You know, we have a package for every investor. It just depends on your level and where you're going with it. I mean, we even do bidding. We provide bids in Chicago and Florida for $250. we will give you an objective bid and a budget and say, here you go. You get to give this to your lender, and you can now negotiate with your contractor. Best of luck. And that helps so many investors take that leverage and say, okay, cool. I know where I fall. Why are you 20 grand off? This, I know that I'm within at least 10,000 each time, right? So I always tell them, this is a good number to play ball with. So we have very, you know, a ton of services. Uh, you can catch us, obviously, at the rehabdepot.com. That's our website. We obviously have the Rehab Depot on Facebook. You can catch us at, on Instagram. I'm at Legendary Flipper. And on Twitter, it's, you know, it's hilarious. On Twitter, I'm Legendary Roddy. <laughs> you catch me on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter, man. We have a YouTube channel, the Rehab Depot. We do. We have about 150 videos up. Um, and our job, man, is our goal is to go across the country, help thousands of investors like we have over the, the course of our tenure, and and change the way rehabbing works. I want to put the fear of God at contractors to know that there's people out there who are contractors who are exposing your bullshit. Yeah. Because I what, what a lot of people ask, when did this change for you? I had twins four years ago. They're almost five. Once I had the idea in my head uh, in the last year I was co contracting and I said, I got to make this transition. And when I found out I was having twins, I said, now's the time to go from the dark side to the good side. And I've never looked back. And I tell you this much, I sleep at night and that's the whole idea. If I can sleep at night, I want you to sleep at night. There you go. If you could give one last final piece of advice for a rehabber out there right now that's struggling with contractors, what, what, what piece of advice would you give? Always trust your gut. All right. We all have that. Whether you want to call it your Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, trust your gut. Because if it's not right, if it doesn't look right, it's not right. Find a mentor. I'm serious. It sounds cliche. Find a mentor in your space who does this for a living. Like, for example, yes, I coach it, but I still flip. I got properties everywhere. Like when I'm done here, I'm going to go back on the field and do my thing. That's why it's T-shirt day. <laughs> go back on the field and see what's going on on these flips and get guys in line. The reality is you have to have somebody who's living it. That's why I say find a quarterback, not just a coach. The guy's got to be calling the audibles on the, on the field because he's seen it. 
find that individual and really ask them questions as often as they want you to. If, if they say it's a full door, take advantage because if you stop learning now, the game is going to continue to evolve. And the third tip I'll leave you with is don't just master real estate and real estate investing. You must learn construction. So follow and read up on the construction market. Prices are changing because of tariffs. You need to understand material changes. With immigration laws being the way they are, some guys, the Polish guys, the Russian guys, the Mexican guys, right, all the laborers that you're used to using, they're going to start facing issues. What does that do? It raises your GC fees price up. So you really want to start learning what's happening in the construction industry because it's going to affect your rehabs one way or another. So anticipate, be proactive, don't be reactive. And I will just wrap this up, put like a little tiny little bow on this. If you're listening to this and you're just a wholesaler, this is also just as important for you as it is for the rehabbers. Because your client, this is this impacts their business. You need to understand this just as much if you're just a rehabber. I am so sick and tired of seeing wholesalers send deals out. And yes, we do it too, where you say rehab is to be determined by buyer, right? That doesn't mean you don't have to have any idea of what the rehab is. When you're going out and making your offers, you need to understand an estimated rehab budget and you need to understand what your client is going to go through at the end of this project. So with that being said, man, uh, you, you dropped a ton of great content. Uh, you're, you're always welcome to drop whatever content you have in, in any of our platforms. And I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today. Oh, man, anytime, brother. Anytime. I appreciate the time. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. <laughs>